But think of it. They kill our people. They blow up our people. Then we have to be very gentle with their cultural institutions. But I'm okay with it. It's okay with me. Have you ever felt a visceral attraction to a politician? There is not a liberal America and a conservative America. There is the United States of America. I am your voice. Ask yourself if they're really telling the truth. This is a secret innuendo being leaked out there about me. I was honestly concerned that he might lie about the nature of our meeting. This is Subliminally Correct, a podcast where we examine all the ways politicians and newsmakers are using psychological tactics to influence you every single day. And now, join myself, Taylor Sherman, certified hypnosis instructor and executive coach, along with my co-host, Alex Dobranik, political consultant and certified consulting hypnotist, on this episode of Subliminally Correct. And welcome to another episode of Subliminally Correct. Taylor, what do we have up for today? So in this episode, we're going to listen to a press conference that President Trump did with the Prime Minister of Greece in answering questions about the killing of Iran's general Soleimani. Now, we're going to hear the typical Trump style of using lots of vague language and ambiguities, but there's some interesting nuances here that we're going to look forward to breaking down. Now, before we get to that, have you taken a moment to subscribe to the Patreon page? Now, remember that your support really counts, and we need your support in order to keep this show on the air. We're going to be producing some exclusive content just for Patreon supporters And so if that is of interest to you, if you really love these types of topics, subscribe today and send us a message to let us know how you're finding the show. Now, before we get to this first clip about Trump, we had a listener who sent us in a great question through our website. This message is from Craig, and he writes, You present very interesting analyses of why different techniques work. I always wonder whether these techniques are used intentionally by the various people you critique, or if they are, quote, naturally good communicators. For example, when you talk about the structures of communication employed by Pete Buttigieg, do you think he planned it that way or just unconsciously understand how to be effective? So let's discuss this for a minute. Alex, what would you say about whether it's actually planned or whether it's more unconscious? I mean, I'd say that it's probably a little bit of both, right? I think that Pete Buttigieg you know, you don't really get to uh, being that effective on a presidential stage if you don't have sort of your finger on the pulse of the American people and sort of what makes people believe in you and what makes people follow you. And so he probably has some pretty good like natural instincts. But at the same time, all of those natural instincts can really be translated in, into something that you can put down on paper and that you can teach others to do to write speeches for you in your voice and and in other ways. So I think that it's a little bit of both in that, you know, he's also he's really good on his own, just naturally improvising, but also able to get himself and other people to refine his methods um, into a more structured and planned out way. Yeah, because that can all be trained, right? I mean, like training how someone... Uh, communicates like someone can actually learn how to be better on their feet and so I tend to think that a lot of this is in a bit of self-fulfilling prophecy where the politicians start to get better at communicating 
And then they backtrack from that and they say, well, I was just always good at communicating or I, um, you know, that's why I'm in this position. And so I do think that you, you know, you find people who um, are more naturally persuasive and then basically what the, you know, people working with them, you know, kind of like the guest that we had on our show, you know, Tara Swords, uh, that's, that one's called uh, In the Candidate's Corner. When you have the people who are working with them, you know, their job is going to be a little bit easier with someone who is naturally persuasive, but also in some cases harder because they may also have a lot of habits or patterns that they don't know how to, you know, change or to, to shift, you know, back and forth. You know, but I think that you can tell like who has rehearsed what they've done a lot. I think Buttigieg in particular is someone who probably has rehearsed. I think that he learned how to be that way. When you look at someone like Donald Trump, like the clips that we're going to be, you know, breaking down here, I mean, who's to say where Trump learned to talk the way he did? Certainly some of it is coached. Certainly some of it is learned. You know, he has been practicing and training those skills. But I feel like a certain amount of this, he just kind of grew up under that, you know, environment. And because he grew up, you know, within that environment, he um, started to understand that way of thinking or that way of perceiving things that was, you know, different from someone who had to come at it from a different angle. Yeah. And I think we sort of see here um, in the clips that we're going to go through today um, and in the next episode, we sort of see one where Trump is improvising and ad-libbing it. And then one where he's doing a very structured, pre-written speech. And I would argue that the one that he's ad-libbing is far better than the one that is pre-written and planned ahead of time. Now, you can contrast that to people like Pete Buttigieg or maybe Barack Obama, who do very, very well when they have that pre-written, pre-planned speech ahead of time. Um, and then like Obama does very poorly when he when he's improvising and when he's going off the cuff. And so in, in some ways, Trump is the exact opposite, which isn't to say that it's a bad thing. It's just an entirely different style. Um, and I think that that we're going to sort of see a little bit of that here play out in these next two episodes. Yeah. And remember, everyone, that if you have questions similar to what Craig has submitted here, remember to submit those. You can send them to us on our website. That's subliminallycorrect.com, or you can also tweet them at us at subliminalpod on Twitter. So let's go ahead and get to this first clip where we're going to be listening to this press conference. Again, we have President Trump, we have the Prime Minister of Greece, and they're asking questions about the killing of Iran's top general. And, you know, let's see how does he spend this? How does he, you know, go with it? Let's get to that first clip. A lot of questions are being asked in Washington and across America about what evidence you had that Qassam Soleimani was planning attacks against American targets. What can you tell us about what you knew prior to ordering the attack? Well, number one, I knew the past. His past was horrible. He was a terrorist. He was so designated by President Obama, as you know, and he wasn't even supposed to be outside of his own country. He was so right there. Uh, But that's, in a way, the least of it. We had an attack very recently that he was in charge of where we had people horribly wounded, one dead. In fact, the number now, as of this morning, I believe, is two dead. And uh, that was his. He was uh, traveling with the head of Hezbollah. Uh, They weren't there to discuss a vacation. They weren't there to go to a nice resort someplace in Baghdad. They were there to discuss bad business. 
And we saved a lot of lives by terminating his life. A lot of lives are saved. They were planning something, and uh, you're going to be hearing about it, or at least uh, various people in Congress are going to be hearing about it tomorrow. Our Secretary of State covered it very well a little while ago. I saw him. I saw his news conference, Mike. And uh, if you want to mention a couple of things in addition to what I've just said, but we had tremendous information. We've been following him for a long time, and we followed his path for those three days. And they were not good stops. We didn't like where he was stopping. They were not good stops. We saved a lot of lives, Mike. And so here we've really got, you know, Trump using some interesting language. So we start off with, you know, the question, what evidence did you have? What can you tell us about what you knew about what Soleimani was planning? And he jumps into this super vague statement here. You know, well, first of all, I knew the past. And I knew all the things that were that he was doing previously and all the bad things that he's done. Of course, you know, he doesn't list any of the bad things that he has done. And then, you know, talks about how, you know, horrible of a person he was, again, with no specifics. And talks about how he was with the the head of Hezbollah. And they weren't there to discuss vacation. They weren't there to go to a resort in Baghdad. They were there to discuss bad business. And it's just like, it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, uh, Trump has this way of you, you almost ask yourself, does he actually know the specifics or, and this is what I think is that he knows the specifics, but has this magical way of translating those, those specifics into big picture ideas and then synthesizing something that he can easily say to somebody to a lay person, somebody who's not entrenched in all of the details and that it's just the way that his mind processes it by turning it into these big picture abstractions and then retranslating it into something that he can just say in a soundbite that somebody who is casually watching can take in and understand and, you know, doesn't get into details because it really doesn't have to. And so that's sort of what I think what Trump is doing right here. Yeah, it's all about getting to those really big points that people want to know. You know, what what the viewer is going to be asking is, did you do this for a good reason? That's what people want to know. They want to know, okay, well, you went and killed this guy. Was that for a good reason? Is it actually going to keep us safer? Or were you just kind of being a cowboy and doing whatever it is that you wanted to do? And so he's going directly to the values, and this is a lot of what makes... Donald Trump's communication style so impactful and it's because he starts to answer the question the core question the root question that people have inside their minds not just all of the technical details or not just that uh, the surface structure of what they're looking at instead he gets deeply into what is it they're thinking what is it they're believing um, so we've got this you know fight starting here between the evil villain right Soleimani We've got good versus evil, and we triumphed. Now, why do we triumph? Well, because here's this bad guy, right? He wasn't even supposed to be out of his own country. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what, what that's about. But he was. So right there, he says. Right there, what? Okay, right there, meaning now I have a point about something that you're, you're saying here. And, you know, as Alex mentioned here, He's going into that idea of bad business. So it's really, really simple. There's business that's being conducted. It's not a vacation. 
it's business and it is bad business. And so you get this image in your mind of like this shady, dark back room, you know, whatever spy or thriller uh, movie that you have been watching. And this is what was happening on these stops that Soleimani was going on. Okay, there were these stops. We've been following him for a long time. We had tremendous information. Think about that word. When you add in that type of adjective there, it's an exciting and emotional word, right? We had tremendous information. We've been following him for a long time. They were not good stops, okay? He made a lot of stops, and we didn't like where he was stopping. Now, he's telling in one way the story, but he's doing it in a very emotional overview, It's like, well, this is what happened from our perspective. We were in the situation room or wherever he was, and we, you know, he made stops. We've been following him. He made stops. We didn't like it. This is what we saw. Okay. And we saved a lot of lives. Then he goes right back to that big conclusion point. He just wants to know, hey, this is what it's about. And as usual, he's not saying what it is that he was planning, just that you're going to be hearing about it. Okay, you're going to be hearing about it, or at least a lot of the people in Congress will be hearing about it. Well, those are two very different things, right? You're going to be hearing about it, or at least a lot of people in Congress will hear about it. And by the way, the Secretary of State is going to have a news conference, and now in this next clip, we're actually going to be hearing from him. So, you know, Trump is really stacking that deck of this is what's going to happen. You're going to be hearing about it. Oh, wait, no, actually... People in Congress will hear about it, but don't worry, because that was a bad guy. He doesn't want us to question it. He just wants to say, I made the right decision. It was the thing that needed to be done. That was it. Now, in this next clip here, we're going to be hearing at the start, Mike Pompeo, who's going to be talking about the deep intelligence, the deep intelligence that was there. And let's see if he gives us more details here in this clip. We had deep intelligence indicating there was active plotting that put American lives at risk. And I'm confident, I think the president's confident too, that the actions that the president took saved American lives, saved lives of Iraqi Muslims as well. It was the right thing to do, and uh, our Department of Defense did an excellent job executing the mission. And as you know, he killed at least 608 Americans, but the number is much higher than that. He's also very much roadside bombs and all of the horrible explosives that you see. He was a big believer and sent them everywhere. Uh, He was somebody that uh, we did ourselves, that we did a lot of countries a big favor. And I've been I've been hearing from countries. uh, They were extremely happy with what we did. And if you look inside Iran itself, there were plenty of those leaders that were happy because they feared him and didn't like him in many cases. So, yeah, like Taylor was saying, he's really using some vague language here to make his point. And, you know, in the last clip, he was sort of, um, you know, crouching behind the intelligence and saying, oh, we can't really reveal this yet, but Congress is going to find out about it, you know, tomorrow maybe. Um, And so we don't really have any justification and we're really forced to take Trump's word on all of this. And that's exactly what he's doing here again by using some really, you know, weird language. He uses phrases like deep intelligence to make it seem, you know, spy thriller like, you know, and, and make it really seem like it was way more than maybe it, it actually was. You know, it, it's it's sort of funny here how Trump trusts the 
quote unquote deep state and the intelligence community and what they say in this moment, but in other moments he doesn't. But aside from that here, um, you know, he what he's doing here is he's just throwing out buzzwords and, and phrases that sort of get you to think, oh, Trump really has some really good rationale behind all of this. But, you know, for good reasons, we don't you know, I'm not supposed to know what this actually is. When in reality, like maybe we should be questioning whether or not he's actually telling the truth or giving all of the information here in this moment. And we we just don't know. And this is an incredible persuasion technique because, you know, because we don't know, we're f- just forced to take his word for it because there's no other information coming out. And so that's really, you know, the, the tactic that's being used here in most of the things that Trump says. Yeah. And we hear at the very beginning, as Pompeo is asking that question, uh, answering that question really quickly there, and he's talking about this intelligence that we had and The important thing to know is that, well, if we don't have the intelligence as ordinary Americans without security clearances, and even if you do have a security clearance, you're not allowed to talk about it, of course, um, then it seems to be from the ordinary American's mind that there's all of this vast data bank of information out there that you're not privy to. And if you had that information then what? Okay, what does that mean? Like, if that picture were filled in for you, would you now all of a sudden understand? Or would it all of a sudden make sense, the motives of the person that had conducted it? Would we, after hearing the information, say, you know what? Trump made the exact right choice and correct decision about this. Okay, or would we say, no, Actually, this intelligence just vindicates the idea that he did this completely randomly. Well, if you think about it, there's a lot of news that um, gets disseminated, a lot of news that comes out. And if you start to piece together all of the things that do come out, you can pretty much come up with a definitive picture of what does this actually mean. But an average American just looking at the news, you know, randomly just turning on the news for five minutes at a time and, you know, trying to get a sense of, okay, well, you know, does this mean we're at war or not? Well, that's not, it's not always as simple as that. And what they want is a really, really simple answer to say, this is what it is. This is, you know, what it wasn't. And so by saying that something saves Iraqi Muslim lives, like Pompeo is doing, he's appearing diverse. And by saying that it was the right thing to do, Okay, he then makes this value judgment. So think about this phrase. It was the right thing to do. Well, this is what in neurolinguistics we call a lost performative. So it was the right thing to do. To whom? To whom was it the right thing to do? Because you see, you're making a value judgment without naming who has actually made that judgment. It's someone's value. It's someone making a judgment but we're not saying who it is. So the person making the judgment has been deleted out of that sentence. And then we hear him coming back and thanking the DOD, of course. This makes him seem like he is pro-American. But, you know, actually, if we think about it, is anyone actually questioning that the DOD, you know, could go and assassinate this guy or to kill this guy? Like, is anyone actually questioning that that was beyond their capabilities? No, that's never the question. 
but it he makes it seem now Pompeo makes it seem by thanking them as if it were a risk as if this was a really you know difficult mission to accomplish and you know let's thank the DOD but notice how that only now strengthens his position and you know brings him into a into a much more solid place and then one thing that Trump does in this clip too is this uh, really interesting uh complex equivalence so if you listen, he talks about how, you know, as you know, he killed at least 608 Americans, but that number is much higher than that. He's also very much, you know, roadside bombs and all the horrible explosives that you see. He was a big believer and sent them everywhere. And so what Trump actually says here is that Soleimani was roadside bombs. And so what he's taking here is that, you know, uh, Trump meant that he favored roadside bombs as a tactic. But what he's actually saying is that Soleimani was equal to roadside bombs. And so when he says that all of these horrible explosives that you see, he's inviting people to go back through their experience to any horrible explosives they've ever actually seen or imagined in their lives and then relive them and associate with them with Soleimani. And so, you know, what's going on here is that, you know, Trump does this a lot where he sort of, it's it almost sounds like he's misspeaking, but what he's really doing here is that he's just, he's, it may be in his mind, I think in his mind, he's associating bad thing Soleimani, and then just sort of, uh, just Freudian slips there and then combines the two in a sentence but uh you know that's what he ends up saying and that's what ends up being you know sort of passed on to the listener here in this moment and so you know when he when he gets into this moment and you know he he he's talking about these bad things and Soleimani and can't really put together you know a real cause and effect and sort of factual argument here he's just saying that this is a bad guy but does it in this way where you know the average listener might uh, might be willing to you know jump past the details and just listen to what Trump is saying here in this moment and combine you know bad thing Soleimani other bad thing also Soleimani and and it's all bad and then they walk away just thinking this was a bad guy and so that's that's really all that matters at the end of the day now in this next clip here we are going to get to, you know, maybe one of my favorite uh, clips in this entire piece here. And this is where, you know, Trump sort of gets fed up with the questions. And he's tired of getting asked maybe about, you know, the the rationale for going to, you know, for for making this, this attack and, um, you know, the ramifications of it all. And so he sort of wants to punch back. So here he's asked about his tweet where he said that we might target their cultural heritage sites. And you can sort of listen to what Trump says in this moment and we'll break it down. Could you also clear up, Mr. President, whether Iranian cultural sites would be on any future targets? Well, as I said yesterday, it was very interesting. Uh, They're allowed to kill our people. They're allowed to maim our people. They're allowed to blow up everything that we have, and there's nothing that stops them. And we are 
according to various laws, uh, supposed to uh, be very careful with their cultural heritage. And you know what? If that's what the law is, I, w I like to obey the law. But think of it. They kill our people. They blow up our people. And then we have to be very gentle with their cultural institutions. But I'm okay with it. It's okay with me. I will say this. If Iran does anything that they shouldn't be doing, they're going to be suffering the consequences, and very strongly. Yeah, so right here in this clip, it's it's really interesting because he he cuts to the point in this way, and we hear him getting back into the emotions. So, you know, they're allowed to kill our people. They are allowed to maim our people. They're allowed to blow up everything that we have, and there's nothing that stops them. And then he goes on to talk about the law, and... <laughs> It's like they're allowed to do all of these things. According to whom are they allowed to do them? Well, they're not allowed to do all of that. He's just framing it in a particular way. This is, again, creating a fantasy world. Okay, this is the fantasy world where Iran is allowed to do anything we want and we're just having to sit here, you know, tying our hands and, you know, they are, you know, throwing stones at us and, you know, if they do something really bad and they throw a stone in a place that actually hurts, well, then then they're going to have to suffer the consequences. OK, but until then, we're just going to keep letting them, you know, be annoying and throw stones at us, even though uh, it's not something that they you know, should be able to do. Listen to what he's implanting here. It's like this back idea, this frame of how he wants for you to he wants you to think about this. And so, you know, he also uses this word gentle, okay? They kill our people. They blow up our people. And then we have to be very gentle with their cultural institutions. But I'm okay with it. It's okay with me. So, again, he's talking about the fact that he has all this strength, right? And Donald Trump, strong guy, okay? That's what you got to remember. Strong guy, that Trump, right? He's in America, you know, by extension. It's like he has all this strength and he just has to be really gentle, but this is just a, um, you know, we, we have to really be careful with them. Well, this is in one way a, a little bit more of a conservative way of looking at the world, I'd say, which is kind of like, you know, I'm tough, right? We're tough. You don't need to be gentle with people. You don't need to coddle them. You don't need to baby them. You know, let people fend for themselves. You know, they're going to be able to do that. And that's what he is evoking here and calling up. Yeah, it's really funny that Trump has this way here of um, almost using some doublespeak where time and time again, Trump will say, you know, I would say all of these horrible things, but I'm not going to say that. Uh, I would never say anything like that. What he's doing here is he's saying, if that's what the law is, well, I like to obey the law. But think of it. They kill our people, they blow up our people, and then we have to be very gentle with their cultural institutions. But I'm okay with that. It's okay with me. And that's him using doublespeak. Does it sound like he's really okay following the law here? Do you, do you really think that it's okay with him? No. And none of this is congruent, and it illustrates how he's able to say he believes in the PC thing, that way he can't be criticized. Nobody can write some bad news article. But it also makes clear that he doesn't actually believe it without him actually explicitly saying it. And so this is a way for him to telegraph 
to the more extreme sides of the Republican Party or conservatives or whoever it might be, that he really just wants all-out war and to obliterate them and their culture, while also placating sort of the mainstream media and, you know, the regular people, the moderates and, and everybody else in the country, because he said what he was supposed to do. I'm, I'm okay following the law. I like following, following the law. And at the same time, they kill our people. Think about it. Think about how bad it is. And we're just supposed to be gentle, but I'm okay with it. And so it's just, it's this way that I think so few politicians are able to walk that line and really and really play this game of of doublespeak and he does it just so often yeah absolutely and in this next clip we're going to be hearing him start to break down some more of the reasons okay why he did this attack some more of the rationale now again are these going to be really specific reasons well some of them are really going to sound specific Okay, but he's going to be getting into some of the big picture reasons of why he did this. And so let's hear how he frames it. All right, Steve. Well, don't forget, uh, in our case, it was retaliation because they were there first. They killed. And look, I don't have to talk about him for 18 to 20 years. He was a monster. But just in the very short period of time, two people dead people badly injured. And then before that, there were other attacks. And look at what he was planning. So that'll be discussed tomorrow morning. Right now, it's classified. And that'll be discussed tomorrow with Mike Pompeo and the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Is this the U.S. prepared for an Iranian attack? We're prepared. We're totally prepared. And likewise, we're prepared to attack if we have to, as retribution. Mr. President, if Iran's leader said that any uh, response to the Soleimani uh, killing would be, quote, proportional. Uh, what would the United States do in the event of any Iranian? <laughs> so, again, John, if you look at what's going on, ours was a an attack based on what they did. We weren't the first one out. He killed an American. Now two people are dead from the same attack, and some people very badly wounded. And that was one of his smaller endeavors. You look over his past. His past, he's been called a monster. And he was a monster. And he's no longer a monster. He's dead. And that's a good thing for a lot of countries. And he was planning a very big attack and a very bad attack for us and other people. And we stopped him. And I don't think anybody can complain about it. I don't hear too many people other than politicians who are trying to win the presidency. Those are the ones that are complaining, but I don't hear anybody else complaining. <laughs> so, oh man, this clip is is so, you know, interesting how he starts to go into and they ask him, okay, you know, why'd you do this? And so it was retaliation. I don't have to talk about him. Well, that's a interesting type of language pattern called negation. So where when a person is negating what they're about to say, so I don't have to blank. I don't have to talk about him. For 18 to 20 years, he was a monster. But notice he's actually talking about him. So when he's saying, I don't have to talk about him, he's saying, well, you already know. It's implied. But he's also saying, it's not my burden to talk about him. You see, it's multiple levels in which these ideas are being communicated. And look at what he was planning. 
There were other attacks, and look at what he was planning. But right now it's classified. <laughs> so he comes back, you know, it's like, hey, look at it, but it's classified. It's this whole kind of, um, you know, pull and push, right? Here, come a little bit closer, go away, right? You think that you're about to see it, but actually you can't because it's classified, because I'm the president and not you. And, you know, he talks a little bit more about, you know, um, he killed an American. He killed now two. That was one of his smaller endeavors. And then, um, you know, the um, reporter asked him the question of, well, you know, what's going to happen if you respond to Iran's response? Like, what is that going to look like? That's basically the question that a lot of reporters are asking now. And a lot of people are asking is, are we just going to get into an escalating war? And then he says, you know, ours was an attack based on what they did, right? They did this. And uh, he keeps trying to reframe here where the attack was a retaliation for Iran being the aggressor here. But he still can't pinpoint what the aggression was other than just killing unspecified Americans. Yeah. And so the, the big thing here is that, like, we disproportionately impacted Iran by killing this guy. And Trump is trying to play it off as though we were the ones who, you know, were first attacked and, you know, we're just responding. And I just really don't think anybody's really buying it here, at least in the press conference. And Trump keeps trying to sort of bolster it and back it up. You know, he was a monster, a monster, and he's no longer a monster. And uh, it's good for a lot of other countries. Which countries? We don't know but a lot of countries, a lot of other people. And my favorite part is where he talks about, you know, I don't hear a lot of complaints about him being dead other than those people trying to win the presidency. I don't hear anyone else complaining. And right. what's happening here is that he's trying to frame anyone who questions the killing um, as them just being opposed for political reasons. So who here in the situation would he be talking to and asking their opinions on this. Would he even like hear complaints if there were any? Who why would anyone complain? And what would <laughs> and what would that mean to him? Like he's very intentionally vague in order to discredit anyone who could question him. Um and it, it's sort of this like bizarro world where he's just out surveying random folks on the street <laughs> to ask them what they think about this guy being de- dead. Yeah. And I, I really don't think anyone is like like happy that or 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 sad or or you know or, or i think most people probably just didn't even know who this guy was to begin with and now because he's able to um be the first one to sort of paint a picture of who this person was and in this case he's painting a picture of a monster he's able to get the first word and and sort of uh and frame this person in the way that he wants to because people just don't know and they don't have that information and a lot of people believe it or not are just low income voters so um it's really a fascinating way that he's able to do that yeah right here as he's talking about this not having any complaints you know other than those people trying to win the presidency pay attention to what he's doing he's Questioning the motives of people trying to question him. And this is a, you know, really old tactic in the playbook of, well, conspiracy theorists or um, those who wish to 
espouse radical ideas or to bring, you know, chaos and confusion to a particular society or group or into people's minds, kind of a, a meme that gets disseminated in a way that, you know, starts to create this ripple effect out. And this is a common thing in which you're hearing Trump do, right? He's continually going, well, that's the only reason they're saying that. You know, we heard it in our uh, previous couple of episodes, and we were talking about this idea of the judiciary hearing. And what was it that um, Matt Gates there was doing with the law professors, right? Well, you once donated to this campaign, and you once wrote this article, and you did this. And what he's saying is, therefore, everything you've said is a lie. Therefore, everything you've said is not true. It cannot possibly have any bearing in reality or fact because you're biased. And so, you know, that's very convenient for Trump here because basically everyone in his world is biased, right? Those running for uh, political for a president, well, they're biased because they want something. The reporters are biased because they want to make money. That's just fake news. Okay, anyone else who comes into his circle has a reason why he can discredit them and including the other countries. Okay, if they say the the wrong thing, well, they're just saying that because. So we notice how often he's using this tactic in order to just not address the underlying uh, sense of what that who that person is or what they're actually saying. All right. I think that's about all the time we've got for today. Tune in next week and we will be exploring the aftermath of the Iran retaliation. So Iran is going to come back and launch those missiles at American bases. And after that, Trump ends up having another press conference where he addresses the nation in a very scripted and a very practiced speech. And we're going to hear exactly how that differs from this ad-libbed press conference. Um, And it's very different. It's very fascinating. And he uses a lot of interesting language. So um, send all of your comments to subliminallycorrect.com or tweet at us at subliminalpod. Again, thank you for your questions, comments, um, and support. If you love the show and you want to keep on supporting the show, go on to our Patreon page. It's in the show notes and on our website. Um, You can chip in for as little as $5 to buy us a cup of coffee and keep this show on the air. And we will talk to you next week.